This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Good evening on this Sunday night. Sunday evenings are very precious, and I want to thank you for spending your Sunday evening with me, Maureen McGrath, host of the Sunday Night Health Show. Good evening. Hope all is well with you, especially your health, because remember, your health is your wealth. I am Maureen McGrath, a registered nurse, nurse continence advisor, and a sexual health educator. Okay, that is the cue to put those kids to bed, unless they're 35 and you have not launched them yet, or even 26. They should be gone. Anyway, <laughs> help them get out. The benefits of good health means your life and relationships will improve. You are more productive, happier, more generous. You might even be trimmer. Your sex life could also improve. And sex facilitates feelings of intimacy, which does more than make you feel warm and fuzzy all over. It actually boosts your overall health and may make you live longer. If you have a question for me or any of my guests this evening, feel free to email me at nursetalk at hotmail.com or you can always call. The number to call is one 399 9898. That's 1-877-399-9898. Remember, this show is not a replacement for a visit to your doctor for whatever ails you. Tonight on the program, we're going to be talking about diet. I'm on the Falk diet, but I might be changing. Um, to the ketogenic diet, Dr. David G. Harper joins me. He's the author of BioDiet. We're going to be talking about that in the second hour of the program and also going to be of course covering lust love and limerence uh tonight negative thinking traps uh what else are we talking about here bedtime routine yeah have i got some advice for you and uh resentment because that can negatively impact relationships but to be honest with you right now did it go? No, I guess it didn't. I hit play. Okay, I can't say technology unless it vibrates. is works for me. But anyway, um, right now what I want to talk about is um, I want to talk about the recent report. You know, I want to go beyond that. In her words, being dismissed by the healthcare system. Joining me on the line is Crystal Barrett Stewart, who so graciously is joining me this evening. Uh, she is. Uh, one of the women who was showcased in that report, that report uh, that actually underscored that many women in British Columbia felt dismissed by their physicians. Good evening, Crystal. Good evening, Maureen. How are you? Fine, thank you. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Thanks so much for chatting with me. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for joining me. I think this is a very important uh, subject. This report was put out by the BC Women's Health Foundation. We were talking with Dr. Lori Brado last week. That was in partnership with Pacific Blue Cross as well. And uh, the report... demonstrated some of the results of the report, over half of women said that they felt that a physician had diminished or overlooked their symptoms. In addition to a third of women didn't feel like their needs are being met or treated effectively by the healthcare system, and three in 10 women reported challenges accessing the healthcare services that they needed. This is in British Columbia. But you, in, in terms of your story, I would say, did you feel dismissed by it? Yes, absolutely. So definitely reading the report was a surprise to me and I was able to really empathize with women today and their concerns with healthcare and not being heard just because I have a story of my own and that's just one of um, which I presented a bullseye rash uh, in 2015, which um, most people will connect with, you know, Lyme disease. So uh, knowing that and not having as much awareness then as I do now, I did go to my doctor with concerns that I should probably receive antibiotics because I did 
have the rash and um, she said that we didn't have you know Lyme disease here and that um, it was nothing to be concerned about so I went on my way and trusted my doctor and then um, it, it just things just kept progressing and the symptom list kept getting longer and so I just kept going back and just asking like hey what's this what's this and then the fear was amping up and it just kept saying oh it's fine it's probably you know IBS or it's you know sleep apnea or chronic fatigue and just throwing all these weird things at you and it was like no no this just doesn't come out of nowhere and it was like severe night sweats was the beginning to like paralysis and feeling like being tested for you know a stroke and like losing um grip of like dropping things like my um like my motor skills and just really crazy things that started to happen so it, it ended up taking you know, every single doctor, I, I ended up going to about eight different doctors just ask, like, getting a second opinion, third opinion, fourth opinion, fifth opinion. And every single doctor just kept prescribing anti-anxiety medication. So at this point, it was just, you know, I'm like, it's not in my head, I swear. And um, at this point, it just felt like my whole body was shutting down. And I was just like, I felt like I was dying and nobody would listen to me. And they just basically, they just, here's another, here's another prescription prescription for anti-anxiety medication and uh, I just felt so defeated and like I just lost all hope and I got to a point where it was like I have two little children young children I'm just trying barely surviving and so I went to a naturopath and I went there with my long list of probably over 100 symptoms and I was just bawling and I said I'm like I said I've been to eight different doctors all they want to do is prescribe me anti-anxiety medication. And these are my symptoms. They looked right at me and said, oh, my gosh, like this looks sounds like chronic Lyme disease. You don't ever recall being bit, do you? And it was that moment where it was like I just was heard and seen for the first time in years. And it was just like just bawling, just like, thank you for like, it was like, yes, that's exactly. I, I, I had a bite years ago and not realizing that connection because I trusted my doctor and then just being like, what's going on? Um, and it, so it was a long journey just to, to find answers and to be heard and seen. And then I was able to move forward with treatment. But again, I also have to had to leave Canada and California for a stem cell transplant. So, um, that was kind of my journey and, and, uh, and navigating, you know, kind of becoming my own doctor and, and, um, finding all the modalities outside of Western medicine that saved my life. Did you end up going on antibiotics? I at this point it was so chronic that it didn't it didn't make sense. It didn't resonate. And there, you know, so I did a bunch of herbals and Chinese medicine uh, instead because my body was also fra- so fragile, and I I had yet to meet somebody at this point when it's so chronic um, that that got better. So I I didn't do that route. How no. long did you have symptoms? So I had symptoms, it, it, oh goodness, like it within the, it, it was kind of like a slow building thing, but right after it started with severe night sweats, which was my body fighting infection. Then it turned into like paralysis and like just the, the loss of my motor skills. Um, so it was like a gradual thing. And then it was uh, trying to, you know, my, I lost a baby um, and oh. then... So it was just like one thing after another, and but then it, it was it was after I had um, then I was able to then I conceived and got pregnant, which is a miracle because that's mm-hmm. very rare. my body the state it was in, and after he was born, that's when my body just basically everything just came fast and fierce. So this would have been 
uh, over a year after I was infected. Everything, yeah. That's amazing. You know, there are a lot of physicians that actually, dare I say, rail up against naturopaths. But, you know, uh, everybody has a role in the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everybody has something to contribute. And um, certainly it sounds like that natural path did uh, help you get on your pathway to healing. So, he did. you know, I often say the last thing people want is anxiety. And, yes. and so people will, uh, you know, even if you say to somebody, you have anxiety, they'll say they don't want it. I, I can imagine that you would have become a bit anxious with the frustration, um, you know, that you would have actually eventually uh, ended up with anxiety. And I think whenever anybody mm-hmm. is dismissed, uh, mm-hmm. they, would, they would get that. So um, what would you recommend to somebody who was facing symptoms and they felt that they weren't being heard by their physicians? And, you know, today in many offices across Canada, mm-hmm. many doctor's offices, doctors have 10 minutes. You can say one problem and they'll That's talk right. to you for 10 minutes. That's right. What do you recommend? I think, we, I, I mean, I know health advocates are very mm-hmm. beneficial. Um, so how would you guide someone? Well, yeah, I mean, what I've learned is that, I mean, we, we are taught to think that there really is only the one way. It's like if you have a problem, you go to your doctor. Um, but from what I've learned now is that is taking really, really diving in and become, like knowledge is power. So I'm constantly like learning as much as I can. And now I'm able to, there's so many times where normally I would take one of my kids to a doctor where now it's like, no, I know what to do. And, and following my intuition and having that confidence to find other ways where it's not just all prescription medication where you're having to rely on these medical doctors that are strictly taught under pharmaceuticals, that there's actually so many other amazing ways to heal your body and like you know through food through nutrition through supplements through whatever mind body there's so many so many layers to it and pieces you know emotional traumas that we need to heal that we don't realize in our body so I've gone down like just so many paths to my healing it hasn't just been with just stem cells but I've had to do a lot of emotional work not realizing the connection you know when you're diving into Chinese medicine and, you know, um, and really they talk about the meridians and they talk about, you know, oh, you're having all these problems, there's spleen. And when I realized the connection with your spleen is worry and I carry so much worry. And so there is so much more to it that we just that we don't look at. And we just, you know, there is that approach where, OK, put a Band-Aid on top of the root, put the Band-Aid on top of the root. And then you just keep getting all these other symptoms because you're just Band-Aiding the root of the problem. Right. So. I, I, I have had to, I've, you know, I would always go to my doctor, go to my doctor. And then, so this journey has been very eye-opening for me to help really realize, to empower other people to, you know, um, just look elsewhere and just know that there's so many other amazing things out there that people are having great success with. Absolutely. Um, We're going to be talking about food and nutrition later on in the program in the second hour. I have to ask you, Crystal, I know you have two little kids. You sound amazing. How do you feel? Oh, thank you so much. Um, I'm feeling so much better than I was, and I'm really grateful for that. And you know what? Food and nutrition is a huge part of that. So um, I embraced the plant-based diet with the the doctor that I was working in a clinic I went to in California. That's the first thing they put me on was a plant-based diet. Um, uh, with no sugar, no gluten, no um, dairy, um, all which are really inflammatory. And my once I kind of like took those out, the gluten, sugar, yeah, gluten, sugar, dairy, those three like really brought the inflammation down in my body. So just really 
um, being aware of what I'm putting into my body has been huge just to help with my energy and, um, you know, all, all of it. That's fantastic. And you probably, yeah. this is probably going to change the direction of how you raise your own children. Um, Absolutely. With, with a totally, through a totally different lens. I really appreciate your time with me this yeah. evening, Crystal. Thank you Thank so you much. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much for spreading, spreading, you know, such an important message. Oh, you're so welcome. Well, you take care. Have a great night's sleep now. You too. Thank you. <laughs> you're so welcome. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath here hosting this program for you. Registered nurse, nurse continence advisor, sexual health educator, and chef. <laughs> Tonight, I brought Andrew some muffins, and he gave the sort of seal of approval, but uh, had some had a few suggestions. <laughs> few suggestions. I mean, if it's, you know, if it's worth doing, it's also worth improving on. This is true. This is true. Now, these were oatmeal muffins. Oatmeal muffins and uh, with fruit, with ber- blueberries and bananas and Lots apples. Lots of fruit. Lots of fruit. And then you suggested the lemon glaze yeah, on top. A little bit of lemon and honey on top. And Yes. Little, these yeah. are healthy muffins. You can have them for breakfast. So um, we're all about health here on the Sunday Night Health Show. You can have them all the time. You can have them anytime. They're 169 calories. And I am not, I didn't make that up. 169 you, calories. You counted them. Muffin. <laughs> Each and every calorie. Goodness gracious. <laughs> I sure did. You work too hard. <laughs> Yes, sometimes I do. And that can lead to what we're talking about next because I had an issue with this this week. Automatic negative thoughts or ants. And joining me on the line is registered clinical counselor Mark Smith. Hello, Mark. Hey, Maureen. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm great. So, you know, a lot of people, they can be negative, but then there's something called automatic negative thoughts. It is like ants that enter your head. I just want to quickly tell you what happened to me. And so I'm a pretty optimistic person. And, and so I got this email. I read it quickly. I, I got disappointed. Okay, I think I'm, I'm sure I started to cry. Anyway, and then I said, get a hold of your, because I'm a crier, get a hold of yourself do something for somebody else, take your own advice, do something for somebody else, and then go for a walk. And it was pouring rain. And so I did that. My friend had lost her dog. Her, uh, the, her dog had died. So I brought her over, unbeknownst to her. I didn't want her to know who it was from. Little present. And then I went for an hour walk in the absolute pouring rain. And, you know, and I, and I literally went back to high school. Like, that's why I didn't make the cheerleading team. You know, the whole thing. Anyway, yeah, so then yeah. I get home and at about 80... 80% of the walk, I felt terrible. And then by the, by the time I'm always home, I feel better. All of a sudden, I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're okay. Your mind is clear. You feel better. Good thing I did that. And then I went and I read the email, and I'd misinterpreted it. And the email wasn't, wasn't what I thought it was. And I'm like, what a waste. Oh, well, at least I did something for someone else and went for a walk. But we all have these automatic negative thoughts or these negative thinking traps. So they can impact relationships, your health, your life, your sleep, everything. Exactly. I know you have a clinical practice. You must see this. How, why do we have them and how can we deal with them? Well, I think that um, largely these kind of thoughts are generated by the anxiety in our lives, either ways that we're not performing um, up to standard or our own standards or what we feel are other people's standards. And often they're a product of the, the stress or the tension that comes out of um, our relational system. So the issues with our partners, issues with our family members. And um, your example is a great one because your initial response was to get caught up in that feeling part of your brain. 
Um, but then you quickly pulled yourself out of it. You said, I've got to do something about this. And you shifted into that more thoughtful cognitive part of your brain. And that's, that's an easy example of how to get out of it. But obviously, for those of us that get caught up in these negative thoughts or what, what can be termed uh, negative thinking traps, is that it's hard to get out of them because they're sort of like a, um, a thought rut in our way of thinking. And when we get into that fight or fight place, that anxiety place, um, we just get stuck there. And we, we also have an inner critic, and obviously yeah. mine came alive. If I'm going yeah. back to high school and thinking the first exactly. time I tried out for cheerleading, I didn't make it. <laughs> yep. um, and thinking, you know, that inner critic, that's a protectionary, uh, qu- correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, why do we have that inner critic and what inner critic and what is the purpose of it? Does it protect us from failure or the perception of failure and ultimately shame? Well, I, I think that's a great analysis because I think that ultimately that's the role of anxiety, right? It's that self-protective mechanism that's supposed to be scanning the horizon for danger coming our way. It's not looking for the good things. It's looking for the danger. But often it can misread uh, the cues. So even as you were scanning that email, you weren't reading it carefully. You picked up on a few words that got you triggered and you didn't uh, think through it as objectively or thoughtfully as perhaps you could have. And that's the, that's the, the challenge in these kind of situations is to step back and be more objective about the, about the situation that presents itself. Um, I mean, I couldn't tell you how many times clients come in and, and they talk about what's going on in their feeling world, but they have very few facts to back it up. And that's one of those thought traps is um, being overwhelmed with your feelings and not seeing the facts. And, and we give these thoughts tremendous power. We do. I, I remember I was running in a race with a friend of mine, and, and, she, and it was through the woods. And, mm-hmm. and so she said to me, I said to her, you know, we signed up for like the yellow group, and there were like 5,000 people in this run. And I said, <laughs> you know, the yellow group was in the way back. And I said, you know what, yeah. let's go up to the purple group. And she said, we can't go up to the purple group. We're not purple runners. And the purple group was like the second group. I was going up to the first, went up to the second. And I said, it doesn't matter. Nobody knows we're living. Like, you know, and she said, that's so harsh. And I said, no, but it's true. You know, nobody's even going to notice. So I coerce her, talk the dog off the meat wagon. She comes up to the yeah. purple ribbon section with me. And, and we take off and the race takes off. And within about a minute, she trips on a, a tree root and she <laughs> falls to the side. <laughs> and, and when everybody passed, I walked across and she said to me, uh, oh my gosh, she said, I, um, I fell and 5,000 people ran by me and nobody <laughs> knows I'm living. And I said, exactly. Of course, it could have been punishment for <laughs> us moving from the yellow to the purple group. But we think we worry about what other people think is my point. When yeah. other people aren't thinking about us, are they? They're thinking about themselves. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that's one of those thought traps is thinking that everybody's watching what we're doing and we have to somehow perform in a certain way. Um, But if we just stay focused on our own goals and our own objectives and not get uh, caught up in that kind of shoulding behavior, I should be like this or I should perform like that, um, it helps keep us anchored. 
Absolutely. I I do not like the word should. Um, Many people will say, I've heard that word word a million times in my clinical practice, they should be making more money, they should be having more sex, they should have been married by now, they should be divorced by now, they should not have put up with it, you know, like should, should, should. But it's, you know, everyone has their journey. So what are some of the other tips um, that you provide uh, your patients or your clients to deal with the anxiety associated with uh, automatic negative thoughts? Well, there's a quote that I read recently. Um, There's a guy named Murray Bowen, who is one of the founding fathers of family systems theory. And the, the quote is this, the overall goal of therapy is to help the family members become systems experts who could know their family system so well that the family could readjust itself without the help of an expert or a therapist. And I would say the same with um, these kind of thought patterns is that when you can learn where your anxiety takes us and the kind of um, automatic negative thoughts that kick in, that when they present themselves, you can just tell yourself, that's just my anxiety talking or that's just that negative thinking. And it has a way of diffusing the power of those thoughts because when you're in it, it feels so real and so powerful. It's almost like a dream. You know, dreams feel real when, you're, when we're in them. So if we can step out of the negative thought pattern and and see it for what it is, that certainly diffuses some of the power of them. Absolutely. And how about that, uh, which I'm sure you see a lot of, is that black and white thinking or that all or nothing thinking. She never does this. He never does that for me. That type of thing. When when that cannot be true. No, exactly. And, you know, when I I often um, end a session with clients, um, encouraging them to be more observant of themselves, their relationships in the world around them between that session and the next session I see them. And just that little bit of, an, um, um, a, bit of a direction to be more observant of themselves, they'll come back and that's made a significant difference in their relationship. For example, they realize they've got caught up in one of these thought traps because either we've talked about it or they're just being more observant of how it works. Um, yeah, and, and also there are going to be times in life when we don't perform as well and we don't do as well. And, and um, you know, I, I experience that all the time. I'm, I'm a public yep. speaker and, you know, I think I'm terrible. <laughs> I actually need therapy. I do. I actually, <laughs> after a fairly recent talk, I said, that's it. I'm going, <laughs> I'm going to Toastmasters and therapy um, because, you know, you have this idea of, of yourself, but sometimes you think, you know, sometimes you've nailed it and sometimes you don't. And that, yeah. and that's just life, but catastrophizing, why do people catastrophize? And that's sort of a, a anxiety on steroids. Well, um, I mean, it's a good question. Why, why do we do anything? I think we just see catastrophizing is, is one of these powerful thought traps that builds from one experience to another. So that if I, was in a challenging, a challenging situation today, and I struggled a bit. That when I face it tomorrow, I'm already worrying about the struggle before I get there, and it starts to get bigger and bigger and bigger when it need not uh, get bigger. Um, you know, you, you, the the example you're often, or the issue you're often talking about, is the sexless marriage, and that may may begin with one unfortunate experience with one's partner. And then the next time the two move toward an intimate moment, one or other or both are anxious, which 
uh, undermines the success of it. And so they begin to catastrophize the situation in terms of can we have something satisfying or can it move forward? They go into self-protect mode, which is a recipe for disaster because then it just undermines their efforts. Rather than the healthy couple, the healthy healthy person, the one that's sort of grounded themselves, can laugh it off or they can just see it in perspective that, oh, this kind of thing happens to everybody or all couples experience this from time to time and they roll with it. Absolutely. And, you know, I will say, and this is the honest truth, that a sexless marriage can turn into a catastrophe. And I've seen many of those catastrophes in my clinical practice. I'm sure you have seen uh, many in yours, Mark. Mark, thank you so much for joining me again this evening. How can people get in touch with you? They can go to my website, marksmithcounseling.com, or just uh, Google Google me. My practice is in the South Granville area, Granville and Broadway. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. And you're a regular contributor to the show, and I really appreciate that. And I appreciate you having me come on. You got questions? She's got answers. The nurse is in for Nurse Talk. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Here we are, and we're actually on Facebook Live right now. If any of you want to join us on Facebook Live, go and connect with me, be my friend. Um, I'm super excited to have David G. Harper here in the studio. He is the author of Bio Diet, the scientifically proven ketogenic way to lose weight and improve your health. And the fine doctor is giving away a book. So the number to call is 1-877-399-9898. Thanks so much for joining me in the studio, uh, David. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. You're very welcome. So I'm just going to turn the little Facebook Live toward you. Sure. Uh, there we are. All right. Hi, there folks. you are, because this is all about you and all of the great work that you have done. You are a researcher and an educator and uh, also a professor out at the Fraser Valley University. And and, University of the Fraser oh, Valley. Oh, sorry, University of the Fraser <laughs> Valley. Um, see, my brain isn't working because I'm not on a ketogenic diet. Uh, so let's just start with the basics. Uh, I do a bit of a plant-based diet. Mm-hmm. Um, I've tried the ketogenic diet in the past, and I didn't care for it because um, I, I don't, I'm not a big meat eater. I don't like bacon. I don't like steak. I don't like roast beef. I don't like, you know, I'm more of a fish person and chicken. So tell me, how could someone like me uh, go on the ketogenic diet? Uh, well, it's a great question. I, I like the way you framed it because I, I would like to consider myself as plant-based as well. Uh, I certainly eat meat as part of my diet. Uh, we're omnivores as humans, and that's kind of our ancestral way, ancestral way of eating. Um, but I think uh, there's two things that um, can sometimes turn people off of ketogenic diets. One, one is there's this sort of keto flu period of bioadaptation you have to go through to get into a state of what we call nutritional ketosis. We can talk about that more in a minute. Um, the other is the sustainability element of it. And, and so one thing to keep in mind is these are not high protein diets. They're moderate protein. They're high fat. So what you need to do is find a fat that you like. And, you know, olive oil is great if you're a, a, a vegetarian or a vegan. Um, grass-fed butter is fantastic because it's high in omega-3 as well. Um, but, you know, when you're eating animal uh, products, you know, eat the fat, eat the skin, that sort of thing helps. 
Um, and you know, the fish, if you like fish, uh, if you're eating salmon, you know, there's that kind of, kind of grayish stuff people under the skin that people think is fat. It's actually the, the slow twitch muscle and that's loaded with omega-3 fatty acids. Oh, so is that right? I like yeah, that. Yeah, I do too. Mm-hmm. I like skin on fish, especially if it's a bit crispy too. I think that's mm-hmm, great. Mm-hmm. Excellent. No, you're absolutely correct. I don't like the fat. That's what, that's what I don't like. Well, you know, and, and I find but I like this, avocado. That's yeah. Well, avocado is a really good fat too. Mm-hmm. And, and avocado oil as well is, is a good, uh, a good oil to you. But you know, I, I find a lot of women in most of the people I counsel are women. Um, uh, my research is, is uh, looking at the therapeutic benefits of ketogenic diets for women with metastatic breast cancer. And it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month this month as well. So uh, perhaps timely that I'm on your show this month. But Wonderful. I find that a lot of women, you know, they're, they're good at cutting back on the, the carbs, mm-hmm. which you have to do on a ketogenic diet. Um, but they're not good at adding more fat in. So they end up calorie restricting and that sort of disrupts the whole metabolic process. Somehow the fat finds me. I'm not sure how, but anyway, Marianne is on the line and Marianne has won your book. Hi, Marianne. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Oh, great. So why are you interested in the bio diet book? Well, I'm a 52 year old woman still playing with a full deck and I'm a big girl. You I've should be still playing diet. with a full deck at 52. <laughs> Let me tell you. Go ahead. Yes, you're a big girl. What does a big girl mean? Uh, well, I'm quite, I'm a big girl. I'm quite heavy woman. I, uh, okay. I'm glad I've you said that. I've every diet there is. I just can't shake it. Okay. Um, I, I, if you don't mind hanging on the line, uh, David, I have a question for you. Sure. Um, though, so it's a lot of people go on the keto diet to lose weight. And so but what, what is the other purpose um, in terms of health and, and chronic health conditions? Right. Uh, um, and, and thanks for calling in, Marianne. Uh, yeah, the... Um, I'd say 95% plus people that are interested in ketogenic diets uh, come to it because they want to lose weight. And that's great because um, obesity is one of the three factors that I call the axis of illness. Uh, and we talk about that in the, in the book. Um, it also includes insulin resistance and, and uh, inflammation. And those things all make each other worse. So um, even though I love the fact that uh, a ketogenic diet is probably the best way to lose weight and maintain that weight loss. Um, what I'm really interested in is the other therapeutic benefits to prevent uh, yeah. and treat other chronic diseases like cancer, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and even Alzheimer's. So that's really the goal that I have is to try and help people get healthier. Absolutely. And, and I, for sure, weight loss is, is a good start on that. And, and Marianne, I just have a quick question for you. Um, you said you had all your marbles, and I said, I made the comment that, well, at 52, you should. But I actually had a patient the other day who had, he was 39, and he had type 3 diabetes. And, and a layperson oh. said to me, so he doesn't need to be seen by the nurse. And it's like, no, you you know, type 3 diabetes is real and it's uh, associated with Alzheimer's disease. But are, are you healthy? Do you have any aches and I pains? Have, I am a diabetic as well. I'm taking metformin pills. Um, so which, you're type 2? By the way, are helping me. Right, you're adult have, type 2 diabetes? I think that's what they call it. Yeah, so you got that as an adult. Yes, I did. Well, I've been borderline for many years and my doctor tested me uh, two years ago and said I should be taking diabetic pills. Okay, and and maybe did he he or she explain why? No, 
he no. did not. Okay, no. so maybe I will have David G. Harper explain why. Marianne, <laughs> enjoy the book. I'd love to hear awesome. from you later. I will send it out to you. I'd love to hear from you later and see about your success, because I also think that when you have partners in crime, if you will, uh, we're more uh-huh. successful. I had a bake-a-thon, a bake-off today with some friends of mine, you know, and so we made all this food and, you know, and it was great because I'm not a chef at all. But thanks so much, Marianne. I'm going to ask the doctor that question about why would it be that somebody gets type 2 diabetes uh, as an adult and then they need to take metformin and the doctor didn't explain that to her, yeah, but know. I'd love it if you did. Sure. Uh, happy to. And, and I just want to point out, I'm, a, I'm a, a PhD. That's what the doctor is. I'm not a physician. So yes. it's, it's not uh, medical advice. It's health advice. But um, yeah, it, essentially, there's type 1 and type 2 diabetes. Type 1, your body isn't producing the insulin it needs to get the sugar out of your blood. Type 2 is where your body becomes insulin resistant, which means the uh, cells are not responding to the signal as well as they should. So you have to produce more insulin which kind of makes the cells a little bit more deaf, which and then you get in this vicious cycle. And eventually uh, your blood sugar becomes uncontrolled. And that's when your physician has to step in and, and provide some sort of uh, therapy or medication that will get that blood sugar back down again. And metformin is, is one of the ways that, uh, that, that medically uh, through drugs you can do that. Um, however, with a, a well-formulated ketogenic diet, uh, long-term studies have shown that about 95% of people can reduce the need for medication. Uh, these are type 2 diabetics. And uh, again, long-term, more than two years, more than 60% actually reverse their type 2 diabetes, which means as long as they stay on the ketogenic diet, they don't need to take any medication. Exactly. And so is our healthcare system failing all of us when a doctor writes a prescription versus provides the prescription and then the additional nutritional education, which is apparently something doctors of today have not received in medical school, Mm -hmm. but now there has been a paradigm shift and doctors are actually getting nutritional information in school. So how important is that um, uh, in terms of the, you know, as it relates to the prescription? Yeah, socially it's huge because, uh, you know, right now still the physicians get an average of five to eight hours of nutrition training in their medical school. Some get almost none. And so uh, the use of, of food as a, as, a, as a medicine really isn't apparent to them. Um, and I work with physicians all the time and, and I don't mean to demean them because we, we have a disease management system more than a, than a healthcare system and we wait till it breaks and then we try and fix it. And what we try and do is manage disease rather than look at the root cause. So some of these drugs that we give people with type 2 diabetes help get their blood sugar down, but they don't address the root cause of the disease, which is a metabolic thing. They, they have faulty glucose metabolism. And so in order to correct that, you need to change the diet, uh, which works not for everyone, by the way. Ketogenic diets are not for everyone. There are some contraindications, but uh, for you know, when you consider that two-thirds of Canadian adults are overweight or obese, um, and those things make insulin resistance worse and inflammation worse, and all of those three things together uh, really are what constitute aging. And they, and they Two-thirds get, of Canadians are overweight or obese? Uh, adults, yeah, and it's three-quarters in the United States. So, uh, and, and that number has you know, been going up quite dramatically since we came out with the first food guide. And how do we measure that? Overweight by a BMI over yeah, it's 25? A B, it's a BMI. That's what the medical community uses. I don't think that's a particularly accurate right. uh, measurement. But, but that's it's a the, body mass index. That's needs right. to be between 20 and 25 for those of you who are unfamiliar with BMI. Yeah, the easy way to do it is just how big is your waist. You know, if your waist 
waist is bigger than your hips, then you need to lose some of that mid-abdominal body fat. And, and uh... I am in trouble, <laughs> which is why I'm on the plant-based diet, which uh, I refer to it as plant-based. But I do eat, a, I have to say, I eat a little bit of chicken, mm-hmm. um, but I've cut out the dairy. Um, so I'm going to ask you to stay in the studio. Sure, I'd love to. Oh, fantastic. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. I'm in studio with the author of BioDiet, the a masterful combination of both the background science and how to of the ketogenic diet, the perfect entree for someone starting on their low-carb journey. It's scientifically proven, and it's the ketogenic way to lose weight. And David G. Harper joins me in studio. Here's the book. Where can people get the book? Uh, anywhere, your favorite uh, online e-tailer or all the uh, box stores as well. Fantastic, fantastic. We have Catherine on the line from Winnipeg. Hello, Catherine. Hey, Maureen. How are you doing? Hello, doctor. Hi. I have a question that you probably won't hear tonight. I have T-cell lymphoma, mm-hmm. and I've been trying everything to lose weight. I even went on a bariatric program. And they said I slipped through the cracks. I should have never got on the program because I was too old. So um, I wrote a letter to them and said, I don't want to die. I want to lose weight. So do you mind if I I ask ask you how approximately how old is too old for that program? 1959. Oh, the program? They said uh, 45. 45. Above 45 is too old. Imagine that. Mm-hmm. I don't, <laughs> it doesn't seem old to me. <laughs> Honestly. Um, wow. So I'll let you answer I that. Was, I, I tried for four years to get on this program. Yeah. So um, I work at the BC Cancer Research Center as a visiting scientist there, and we're doing a, a study with uh, women with metastatic breast cancer. To my knowledge, mm-hmm. I don't think there's been any studies done for. Um, you know, non-solid tumors, uh, it's a little bit mm-hmm. harder for us to define it. It's still very early days, but there yeah, are some promises. However, for weight loss, um, the research that I've seen indicates clearly to me, at least, that uh, that a ketogenic diet is an effective way to lose weight. But anytime you have a medical complication like that, you have to talk to your physician and see if it's appropriate for you because there are some considerable metabolic changes that occur and there are also some contraindications. So so please don't, mm-hmm. you know, jump on the internet and find something and start on your own. Talk to your physician first. And if it is oh, appropriate for you, um, you know, the, the, we hope that this book is a guide to help you ease into it with the least amount of side effects and, and the greatest amount of success. And and, and Catherine, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'd like to buy a book from you, David. I'm going to mm-hmm. send you this bio diet book for you. The bariatric oh, people you. may not have uh, taken you on, but I will. So I'm going to send this that to my little Hospital. gift. Please hang, please hang on the line and um, and you. give your address if you'd like to have that book. Thank you. You're so welcome. Did I, I, I'm sorry. Did you say something about the hospital? Oh, okay. No. Okay. All right. I guess she went off. Um, I have a question for you. Sure. Um, for whom is this diet contraindicated? You've mentioned that a couple of times. Yeah. You know, there are, there are some uh, very rare genetic disorders that affect the way ketones are metabolized, the way fats are metabolized. And, and uh, um, they're all listed in, in the book. They're kind of, they have fairly long names. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, if you have uh, kidney issues or liver issues or gallbladder issues, or if you're pregnant, you know, it may not be the best time to start a ketogenic diet. 
diet. And again, um, you know, these are all listed in the book. If you're a physician, uh, you can you can have a look at it as well, and that will give you the the contraindications um, for for the ketogenic diet. But I, you know, it's probably useful for about seven out of eight people, I think. Okay, that's great. And you know, and, I'm, and I haven't read the book, and I typically like to read the book, but we had some logistical issues, mm-hmm. and um, and so, but I, I am going to read this book because I I provide so much uh, nutrition guidance for an education for patients in my clinical practice because body image issues are prevalent mm-hmm. and aches and pains and movement and flexibility and all of that is important uh, when you want to get back to the bedroom and have a little fun. Uh, so, of course. <laughs> I don't know anyone who wants to do that, but anyway, they seem to come in droves to my office. Um, so in terms of overall well-being and mm-hmm. pain and, and those kinds of things, uh, how helpful is the ketogenic diet? Again, I mean, I've, I adopted a ketogenic diet seven years ago. I have my own experience with it. And um, uh, in short, you know, you can tell if you're obese or not. You just look in a mirror, get on a scale. Um, how do you tell if you're inflamed? Well, if you have aches and pains and that sort of thing, we associate that with aging, but you don't need to feel that way. If you do, that's inflammation. And it's not happening just in your muscles and joints, but in your blood vessels. And that's the cause of cardiovascular disease, which is the leading killer. And inflammation is an aggravating factor in cancer as well. So, so we need to get that down. If you're getting insulin resistant, that's where you start getting that foggy brain that you type, t- type 3 diabetes you talked about. That's yes. an insulin resistant brain. So you're getting that um, uh, cognitive uh, difficulties and memory loss and, and foggy brain feeling. If you're experiencing all of those things, then the ketogenic diet is, is the perfect because it, it, it addresses all three of them. I just want to bring up one more thing. Sure. Erectile dysfunction also, it affects the blood vessels there and affects the epithelium and, yes. and that leads to smaller vessels and uh, worse erections or poor erections and sex is a great motivator and this is a this is a great book uh, bio diet um, the scientifically proven ketogenic way to lose weight David G. Harper PhD the website is biodiet.org yes that's fantastic and so uh, I encourage you to Pick up this book, read it. I'm going to read it, and uh, I'll give you a summary of it over the coming weeks. Uh, Thank you so much, David G. Harper, PhD, for joining me here in the studio live, talking about something that I'm very interested in, Beyond Sex. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.